You are listening to The Coach, Shannon Griffith and the Hoosier Football Tailgate on the Believe Network. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let's go! Hoosier Football Tailgate is sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online is where the game starts. Hello and welcome to the Hoosier Football Tailgate here on the Believe Network. I am the coach, Shannon Griffith. Thanks for joining me here on a Wednesday evening as we kind of catch up on what the Indiana Hoosiers have been doing here over the last couple weeks. And while we're in this offseason slash uh, winter season. Hope to bring you something every each and every week and talk about Indiana football and what Coach Signetti and his staff are in the midst of conducting this uh, winter season here as it leads up to spring football. First of all, I want to thank Bet Online for their sponsorship. Remember, Bet Online is your number one source for all things sports wagering. Now that college basketball and NBA basketball is in full swing, as well as the NHL. You can get all your information and odds on Bet Online. Remember, use the promo code Believe B L E A V and get a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember, Bet Online is where the game begins. And like I said, we wanted to talk to uh, talk a few things here about college football on the onset. First and foremost, you have to congrats a Big Ten member, the Michigan Wolverines, for capturing the big not only the Big Ten championship but as well as the national championship as two Big Ten teams competed for that championship, the other being Washington, led by former Indiana assistant Kyle DeBoer who this week just accepted the head football coaching job at Alabama. So uh, Coach DeBoer has moved quite quickly through the coaching ranks since he's been at Indiana. And and congratulations to him and his family. Congratulations to the players and coaches at Michigan. I'm sure some are going to say it's a little tainted based upon what occurred this past fall. But all in all, you can't take away from the kids and the team because they're the ultimate ones that play the game. And they did a great job in the national uh uh, championship. The other thing that uh, was allowed during the uh, bowl series and uh, even into the playoffs was the actual communication devices that allowed coaches to communicate directly to the quarterback. And some teams took advantage of that. Some teams decided not to, probably because it would have been too difficult, they felt, to implement something that was totally different from what they were doing during the season and they didn't want to have any disruptions. Some teams did. Uh, Some teams took advantage of actually having tablets along the sidelines so that they could look at previous plays. These are all things the NCAA is considering moving forward. Um, And I believe something that all Big Ten and big-time programs throughout the country will want to utilize uh, next season and having that communication device. The NFL's had it for a number of years. The NCAA has not totally embraced that, and I think part of it's been I'm going to guess cost and what it costs for those devices to be put in the communications and all the things that have to go with it. 
I'm sure the cost of doing that up front isn't very cheap, and I'm sure that's probably been the biggest thing that the NCAA has, uh, you know, kind of balked at that situation over the years in terms of its overall cost, and therefore they weren't going to, uh, you know, put it into um, service until... Uh, they felt that it was, you know, all teams were in the midst of being able to want wanting to do that and everything else at the same time um, going forward with everything um, when it comes to uh, implementing it for next year. Also, um, the NCAA at the NCAA convention also sent forth uh, some updates on the NIL and the collectives, especially by the NCA president who actually proposed something this past, oh, late fall, early winter, that would ultimately bring the NIL and collectives under the roofs of the universities. Where it is now, it's outside of that. You know, the uh, colleges and universities cannot have any say in that per se. Um, but uh, trying to bring it back in house, that's also talking about the percentage of uh, potential putting kids on a base quote unquote uh, salary of 30,000, which would be implemented. Uh, like in sport of football, maybe you put your top 60 on, but it also has to go into Title IX, which means that would also enhance lady sports at the same amount. But that 30000 was just a discussion as a starting point. It could be higher than that, but 30000 would be the minimum. And there were some other things in there that the NCAA and all the presidents at these institutions will have to sit down and collectively go through and look over. Um, I don't think there's any question right now. There's some disparaging uh, figures uh, when it comes to what one school has versus another. Um, and that can create a little bit of a, I guess you could call competitive advantage in that regards. But now that we're in full swing in the NIO and collectives, um, I don't think there's much the NCAA is going to be able to do in terms of corralling that. It's just up to the institutions as well as those NIL and collectives to stay on course and stay between the, you know, guardrails on what they can and cannot do. I know that Indiana's NIL and collectives, especially the collectives, have done very well here of late, raising money, and that's going to go a long way in order for them to have a competitive uh, competitive teams in terms of not only keeping kids, but when they go out and recruit kids as well, because that's now a topic of discussion with first-year players that are coming in. What type of uh, NIL advantages do I have, and what will that entail um, on top of getting a full-ride scholarship? So it creates an interesting dynamic for coaches to deal, do with this and uh, go from that standpoint with everything uh, as it pertains to those uh, matters, which we're going to hear a lot here throughout the rest of the year when it comes to um, uh, that uh, that uh, uh, selective aspects of the game uh, when it comes to 
the NCAA as well as NIL and all the things that go with it. So it's it's going to be an interesting dynamic uh, moving forward. Also wanted to talk a little bit about here today. Um, Coach Signetti and his staff are firmly in place. Um, and it was just released what their coaches were going to be making here. And let me see if I can get uh, over to uh, different setup here. There we go. And we'll go through this real quickly. Um, but let's see here. There we go. Uh, when you look at this uh, uh, from that standpoint, uh, where the, these coaches are played very well um, with everything. You got Coach Shanahan, the wide receiver coach, but he's also the offensive coordinator. He went from making 157 at JMU <laughs> to making 800K at IU, which is a pretty good pay bump. John Miller, running back coach, he was not at J. Uh, he was at JMU. He made 81 there, and I think. Unfortunately, I left it blank there, but he's making at least 350K here. Uh, that's what he has, 350K, just kind of picked out. Bob Bobstead, offensive line coach, making 700K. Uh, Tino's the quarterback coach, went from making 105K at JMU. He is now making 540K as the quarterback coach. You're going to hear a lot about him and what he's done throughout his career in quarterback development, but also recruiting. He is a very good recruiter. Recruiter, and you've heard his name in some respects with some of these kids. Tyler Cherry, for one, in that interview that I had with Tyler, he talked very highly of, of Coach uh, Tino and uh, Coach uh, Sig in, in terms of swaying him to coming to uh, Indiana. So offensive staff paid quite well. You can see some of the pay jump that these guys got from JMU. And from a mid-major, honestly, that those numbers are pretty accurate in terms of what you would make at a James Madden, uh, Madison or, uh, let's say, a Ball State, Miami of Iowa, Toledo. Uh, that's probably the type of money those guys are making. Back in the day that I coached, we got a free car, which is nice. And I made uh, going out my final year after eight years at Ball State, uh, I made a whopping 37000 back in 2002. And I came in in 1994-5 at 24K. So you can see that... Uh, I didn't do it for the love of the game. I did it for the love of the game, excuse me, and not for the pay. Also, you look at the defensive stand. Brian Haynes, the linebacker coach, defensive coordinator, went from making 189K to uh, 1.1 million now as the highest paid IU uh, assistant in history and one of the highest paid in uh, the Big Ten. And you go with Adams, the DB coach. He was, I believe, a quality control coach last year at Penn State, but he's making 523K. Uh, uh, Williams, the defensive ends coach, he was at Colorado State, and now he's at IU making 522K. Uh, Kane, special teams coordinator, tight end, uh, made 102 uh, 
five at JMU, 500K now at Indiana. Pat Kuntz, the defensive tackle coach, made about 107K uh, or upwards of at JMU, is now making 425. Interesting side note, Bryant and Pat were both uh, here as uh, GAs, and both of them probably are making a lot more than they were as GAs. And then the quarterback coach, Rod Charlotte, he was at Charlotte, made it in 400K. And then Owings, special, t- uh, he's also going to be, st- I'm sorry, that's their strength and conditioning uh, coach, 149K now to uh, 535K uh, here at Indiana. And so you can get some of the, co- you know, what these guys are making now at Indiana and most of them got a big pay boost. Um, I know that the, the salary for the assistant coaches overall got a boost and uh, not to mention coach Sig's deal, which I think he's making about 400 or four point some million a year on a 26, $27 million contract or something to that extent. And um, now uh, those coaches' salaries, they have a base and then they have the additional, what they call promotional stuff that is also paid on top of that. So some of those guys, uh, it's equally distributed between what their base salary is and then what they're getting on top of everything. So, um, you know, that's all this, you know, with benefits and things of that nature, how their salaries feel uh, figured and how it's taxed and things of that magnitude um, there on staff. So good staff in place. I think it's a good young staff in place. I think it will be re- very relate, uh, uh, be able to relate to the guys in the locker room. Uh, well, as well as recruiting um, with those guys out on the road. And uh, those guys, for the most part, all have been with Coach Signetti. So they know what to expect and uh, what they're uh, accountable for. Um, I know Coach Signetti is one of his best comments. I thought he spends every day working to defeat complacency. And uh, that is so true. Um, you're trying to defeat complacency each and every day. So your team and coaches are operating at a hundred percent and they know what the mission is and they know how to carry it out. So having those guys will be a big benefit, uh, to the staff overall. And it's a big benefit to coach Signetti because he doesn't have to overly teach what he expects because those guys already know. And the guys that weren't on staff previously with coach Signetti, um, they got, you know, they're going to be able to uh, show those guys, uh, new guys from the guys that are already there on staff as well. You know, what kind of is expected from Coach Signetti, both on and off the field as it pertains to handling players and things of that magnitude. And uh, I know Coach Signetti is a very uh, orient- detail-oriented um, in terms of what he and how he runs a program. And uh, I think he even had it on his desk uh, in one of the few uh, Twitter pictures that has been put out. You saw a pretty thick manual of everything from A to Z. 
And uh, and that is everything that he expects from his coaches, his players, and support staff. And that's not you know, the one thing. That was just the field coaches for the most part, except the one strength coach. Then you've got the other guys that are behind the scenes. You got quality control coaches. You have grad assistants. You have you know people now that are kind of a in a role of uh, talent research and uh, recruiting, you know, they're handling all the recruiting, uh, gathering information on kids and things of that magnitude, because that'll be a very important part of what's happening now. Uh, you know, I get this question asked of me uh, fairly regularly. What are coaches and players doing now that really nothing is going on for them um, in terms of game prep and things like that, they're in full swing uh, as a team into their winter conditioning, uh, strength conditioning. Um, they may be doing some morning workouts with all the coaches where they're having some competitive drills. And we'll be doing that now here for about oh, the next six weeks uh, leading up to uh, the start of spring practice and then in the weight room they're conducting their daily routines that will finally probably conclude with some type of max out on the major lifts such as squats such as bench and the, uh, the strength coach being able to get those those numbers um, in place as well as where a kid is at uh overall condition wise many more things go into it today than there used to be um these kids are pretty well uh evaluated from head to toe um weight room running um aerobic anaerobic uh work and then of course the nutritional side of the equation that they have there at iu in terms of these kids what are they're putting in their body so it's a pretty uh uh what i call a, a type a regiment uh, it's very planned out um in terms of what the kids are expected to do from the time they rise to the time they go to sleep. But that's pretty much what those guys are doing from a football program perspective as they go through the winter months here. The coaches on top of that are doing some double work now. They are already in the evaluational phase of the 25 class that is coming, this coming senior group that's coming ready to graduate here in a year. Um, so they got one more year of football left. They're going through their junior tape. They're talking to these kids, um, evaluating them. You're already starting to see offers trickle out uh, to some of these high school players. Um, some of them are re-offers. For instance, the Brock Scott kid up here at Leo High School, who is a player. Um, he just got a re-offer by Indiana. Now, he's got some other offers on the table uh, that are in the Big Ten as well as outside of the Big Ten. I know Miami, Florida's after him pretty good, but this kid is a player, and it would be a big get uh, for Coach Signetti and the staff there, um, because the kid can play tight end. He can be a you know a rush in outside linebacker. Uh, he can do a lot of things. So that would be a big get for Indiana. Um, Brock Scott would be a big one uh, up here at Leo High School in Fort Wayne. So coaches are evaluating players. They're evaluating film. They're they're uh, you know 
trying to see what their needs are uh, from the offense, defense, and, and, and specialty area um, so that they can uh, get a big start, a head start on recruiting. So when the coaches head out in late April, 1st of May, that's who they're going to be targeting and going to see are these kids that are either already been offered or are close to being offered. They just need to see them in person. So that's what they're doing pretty much uh, at some part during the day. There's probably time carved out for that specific thing. And then they're going through the personnel. They're getting to know the personnel that's there on on on, uh, on campus that played last year. Um, Coach Bob said it will be a big, big help in that re- arena when you've got, um, you know, the kids that are still there in the program uh, in a very competitive environment. They're going through game film. They're going through all the things that they have to evaluate these kids. They're also talking, um, you know, offense and defensive schemes um, from, you know, breaking apart offense and defense and deciding, you know, what they're going to do. Coach Haynes, Coach Shanahan, uh, Coach Signetti as well are going through what they are are going to start implementing uh, when they get the opportunity to spring. So there's a lot of uh, things going on <laughs> during the off season that uh, is pretty intense in the sense that you've got many things on the front burner that have to be done on a daily basis. And uh, part of that's re- the recruiting aspect. And they do have somebody that's in charge of their personnel. And it's kind of a, you know, uh, a GM in some respects, you would call him, but they're those guys that are in that department, along with probably some helpers in that regard are pre uh, previewing some of the kids that need to be seen by the coaching staff. They're putting that information together and they're filmed together so that when they go in those recruiting meetings and coach Signetti says, which side of the ball we're going to start on, they know which side of the ball, who they're going to look at first, all his, you know, particulars, GPA, height, weight, they may have 40 times on them. They may have pro agility times on them. And then they're going to watch film and evaluate a kid. Some film of kids is a no brainer and it's a very simple process. You, you look at him, he's a no brainer. You make an offer of him. Some of them are on the, are on the, uh, you know, kind of on the dividing line of, do we offer, do we not offer? And they may be put into a category need to see, uh, in person, maybe need to see in camp if they have a camp uh, this summer. Um, those will be all big components because there will be a quite a big list of those guys that are on the on the you know fifty fifty line of being offered, and then you got the kids that you know they're they're going to pass on. And, and they make that note in that way. If a coach asks about a particular player or something to that magnitude, they know what they can tell a coach. Hey, we're not going to look, you know, we looked at him. We just don't think he's you know tall enough, fast enough, whatever. Or they're going to say, Hey, we, we really like him, but we got to watch him. We got to see him in person. He's got to come to campus and, and all those things. And if he's a quarterback, they're going to go watch him throw in the spring. 
And so this is all what they're doing now to get themselves ready for that part of the season that's coming down the line. They want to be prepared for it. So uh, with that, as well as breaking off an offense and defense, evaluating personnel, evaluating uh, offensive schemes, defensive schemes, and how that's all going to be implemented through the spring. Um, I have not seen a spring practice date as of yet. I look for that to come out very shortly. But, um, you know, speaking of recruiting here, the last thing I want to touch on is some of the new additions that uh, IU got here over the last uh, week or so. Um, the lot that latter part of you know the week of um, the championship game, uh, they picked up some more individuals. Sean Ellsbury, a kid from Old Dominion, 5'9, 175 pounds safety, good player. Uh, coaching staff, they would have seen this young man play because Old Dominion would have played James Madison and they liked him enough to bring him along. Uh, Green, a running back, big size kid, 5'11, 210, played at North Carolina last year. Um, I believe he's junior eligibility, as is Allsbury. Where did my <laughs> list go? Kind of left me there. Here we go. Terry Jones Jr., another safety from Old Dominion. He's a little bigger kid, 6'1", 195. Uh, he's in a redshirt senior year, I believe. He'll be. This will be his fifth year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, really good player. Um, he's the type of kid that come down and hit you now. And again, they would have seen him play in person. And then Jaden McDonald from Troy, this kid actually played in the big 10, I believe in Iowa, if I'm not mistaken, linebacker, six, two moves quite a well. I think he's in his last, last year of eligibility. That may be that COVID year as well. Um, and then the biggest one is right here. Surratt, uh, 6'2", 210, 82 receptions, almost 1,200 yards, 8 TDs. This kid transferred him to James Madison from St. Francis. And this is a kid that uh, I believe Coach Signetti mentioned in his, I believe, press conference when he talked to one of his best players uh, that transferred in wasn't some five-star from – North Carolina or Florida State, it was this kid here from the St. Francis out of, Pen- uh, I think it was the Pennsylvania St. Francis that came in. And uh, he's lit it up for them in the last couple of years. He's got the speed on the outside to be very explosive, something IU kind of lacks in some respects. Um, because he's, he's got a body that can play uh, tough in that five to 10 yard range, but he's also the kind of guy that can take the top off of the coverage and make big plays down, down, down the field. And, um, uh, you know, he's come, you know, they needed him and they got him over some big time competition. Uh, Florida State, I think, was one of them. Uh, North Carolina may have been one, but there were some big-time programs after him. And uh, IU was his last visit, and that was the visit he committed to. So I think it says a lot, you know, when these kids come from James Madison. um, They're coming here because they know the coaches. 
and they feel comfortable with him. Now, I know there's a big concern with the number of players that they brought. Can they all be Big Ten players? <clears throat> That's to be determined. But <clears throat> just like those coaches are going to be a good bridge between the new coaches coming in that know Coach Signetti versus not having worked for him, are going to get a better idea from those guys. These kids are coming in from James Madison are going to be able to tell the guys in the locker room, this is what you can expect from coach Signetti and his staff. And there's that kind of bridge, I call it between old and new. And I think it's very beneficial to have <clears throat> whether those guys become uh, big 10 players Every down players, first team, second team will be determined. But uh, I think he did the offensive side of the ball, in my opinion, has got some of the best competition going on. Quarterback room, receiver room, and tailback. I think those are those are the three rooms that are going to be pretty, pretty competitive uh, this spring heading into next fall. Offensive line, I still th- they've added some depth, I believe, and some kids from James Madison that I think will play. Um, and then on top of that, they, you know, added that depth component that they have, that they haven't really had in terms of their top two, uh, team, uh, uh, offensive lines. Now the question is defensively, did they get enough on defense? I'm not quite sure they got it all they wanted. I know talking to some, they missed on a couple guys that they really wanted from the portal that would have helped them defensively a lot, but Time will tell where they need to add to uh, secondary is going to be one because I think that was the most uh, area of uh, guys jumping in the portal and going elsewhere. And uh, we'll see what all transpires here in, you know, throughout the spring on where they're at with their defensive unit. But offensively speaking, I think they've got a strong offense in terms of competitiveness. Now, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean anything outside the walls of Indiana. Uh, that just means inside they're going to have a very competitive summer or summer and spring as they as they go through the year. Um, and then how that develops on the field will be to determine as they head into next fall. So, but I thought I wanted to have a little conversation of, you know, kind of some of the things that people have asked me, uh, what is going on during this time period? What can we expect? Uh, you know, and for, in terms of news, you're probably not going to get a lot of it now. It's still in coverage, uh, which is great. Uh, bringing all the information I can when I can, as it pertains to what I believe is good, solid information from Indiana. And uh, right now, I think with what I discussed here tonight with the new coaching staff in place, what they are doing and focusing in on, and then what was added late here from recruiting uh, says a lot about where the the Indiana football is today and the direction it's heading forward. And I do think Coach Signetti has got the train moving in the right direction, and he's got the coaches and the players that he needs to be a very good football team now he's got to mold him into that team that that fights off complacency and ultimately puts a team on the field that is going to be a team that can win each and every week. So that will be to, uh, to be determined. But right now, I think you got to feel very positive about the direction of the football program there at Indiana and what Coach Signetti is doing to move that program in the right direction. 
Well, I want to thank you for joining me here on the Hoosier Football Tailgate. Till next time, I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith, and this has been the Hoosier Football Tailgate right here on the Believe Network.